Welcome to the Richard Brooks Show. I help you build a business that matters. Network marketing isn't easy. Success at any level requires self-motivation, persistence, enthusiasm, networking, promotion, courage, and work. I've interviewed hundreds of global influencers, network marketing gurus, network marketing heroes, representing dozens of companies. Sales leaders that have demonstrated that anyone can build a four-year career. The Richard Brooks Show is a collection of inspirational stories of what is possible. These achievements are possible and inspirational like Olympic athletes. And like Olympic athletes, most people will never be one. Join me as I hear the stories of global influencers, network marketing gurus, and network marketing heroes. Everybody, Richard Blissbrook here with another global influencer podcast. And today I have my most famous guest ever, I think, David Meltzer. David, how are you? Welcome to the show. Thank you so much. I will tell you that introduction really hits home because all the years I worked for Lee Steinberg, the big sports agency, I never fathomed as your life angles and, and pivots and grows that I would ever be introduced as the most famous of all your guests. So thank you so much. Uh, you've just given me a great gift. Well, let me tell my audience about who I'm talking about here so they have a little bit of context. So uh, David, my guest today, is a lawyer, but he left that behind and he is a business guru. And uh, with a lot of credits to him, and I'm, I'm just going to read a few of these so I get them right, David. Um, you're a number one ranked podcaster in the Entrepreneur Channel. You're a Forbes top 10 uh, speaker. You're ranked top 100 coach, three-time best-selling international author. I think you're the hardest working guy in the business of business. Variety Magazine Sports Humanitarian of the Year and the Ellis Island Medal of Honor, which I wish I had another half hour to ask you about um, those. You're the executive producer of Entrepreneur's number one digital show, The Elevator Pitch, and your entrepreneurial podcast, The Playbook. We're going to talk today about uh, your new number one release book, Game Time Decision Making. And we're going to talk about your life and your career, and we're going to do it all in 30 minutes. And I got to tell you, we have, a, we have a mutual friend, as you probably know, Cynthia Kersey. And first time I ever met you was at the Unstoppable Foundation Gala, which is a um, pretty special event. Um, but first, tell people, David, um, just, we're going to build up to you know, some of the key things. But where did you grow up? And where do you live now? So I grew up in Akron, Ohio, and I'm blessed to live in Southern California. I have a home in Orange County by San Juan Capistrano, as well as we have a beach house in San Diego, California. Beautiful. So uh, would you give people just a little bit of history? Like I know you started to go to med school and then you went to law school. And then if we could just fast forward, because um, then all of a sudden, you end up running the most important sports agency company, I imagine, in the history of sports. And I think everybody wants to know what it would be like to work with Tom Cruise. <laughs> That's right. Well, let me just give you a quick three-minute rundown. I'll try to put this together in some semblance. I grew up with a single mom and six kids. And the philosophy that she had was so important because the fetus wasn't fully developed till after graduate school. 
only way I could ever distinguish myself and my family was the one area that my family sucked at, which was athletics. I could graduate summa cum laude at Harvard and be one of 10 people in my family that have done that. Uh, and so for me, I decided to distinguish myself, regardless of what my mom thought, I was going to be a professional football player. I actually got a scholarship to play football in college. I got ran over my freshman year, first play by Christian Okoye, the Nigerian nightmare. And I lied on my back and I literally said to myself, doctor, lawyer, or failure, because <laughs> that was my mom's motto. So yes, I pursued a profession of my older brother to be a doctor, but he quickly gave me the best lesson of my life and told me to be more interested than interesting because I told him I hated hospitals. And at 18, I had no idea that doctors had to be in hospitals. I thought sports doctors were just in you know, training facilities and sidelines. So I went to law school with one thing in mind. I wanted to be rich. The only reason I wanted to be rich was that the only time I wasn't happy in my entire childhood, whether we had food stamps or a packed dinner in a station wagon with my mom working two jobs, was when there's financial stress. If that car broke down or dishwasher or the rent was due, I'd catch my mom crying and it break my heart. I still, I got mommy issues. So I'm getting choked up thinking about how hard she worked and sacrificed with five boys and a girl, all who went to Harvard, Penn, Columbia, all who graduated summa cum laude, extraordinary academics and live extraordinary lives. But for me, I wanted to buy my mom a house and a car. I wanted to solve that problem. And so I went to the law school where I thought I could make the most money to be an oil and gas litigator, which is what I found out was the highest paying job out of law school was to litigate oil and gas. Uh, and then I also looked for other opportunities that would even pay more than that. So when I graduated law school, I chose between selling in 1992, legal research on the internet, which was DOS, monochrome screens and XT computers, or being an oil and gas litigator, I chose, despite my mom's advice that the internet was a fad, I chose to sell and go against the grain of my entire family, take the risk and vote for myself, realizing that just because someone loves you doesn't mean they give you good advice. My mom was a second grade teacher. She knew nothing about the internet. And I went for it. Nine months out of law school, I was a millionaire. 1995, we sold West Group uh, for West Publishing at the time for 3.4 billion. I was smart enough to leverage that into the Silicon Valley, learned to raise hundreds of millions of dollars. At 30, I ended up the CEO of the world's first smartphone. And then lo and behold, as I started, and I tell people this all the time, I didn't start where I wanted to be, but I found the light, the love and the lessons in what I did. And I kept angling towards what I wanted to be. And soon enough, paying attention and giving intention to the coincidence, I met Lee Steinberg, the most notable sports agent in the world. They made the movie Jerry Maguire after him. And in 48 hours, he hired me originally to be his chief operating officer. And then six months later, his CEO. So I ran the most notable sports agency in the world. And the bigger blessing than that was I met Warren Moon, the Hall of Fame quarterback. And over a decade, we've run Sports One Marketing. And in the last three and a half years, I built my own media company, as you mentioned, built my own brand, using all the skills, the knowledge and desire that I learned from agentry work and marketing work to take a middle-aged mutant turtle like myself and build, like you said, a really big world influencer brand where I empower over a billion people to be happy. Yeah, and I've watched you do it, David, in the last uh, three or four years. It's really been remarkable. You and Warren do uh, beautiful, really profound, uh, work in you know helping causes all around the world 
And that's very inspirational. And your mission, which is a bold mission, is to bring happiness to a billion people, right? O- over. Don't limit, don't limit me. Okay. Over I won't limit you. No, no cap. <laughs> the launching pad is a billion people, right? Because if you yeah. make a billion people happy, they can influence the other six and a half billion, right? Collective consciousness, you know it. Just a smile on their face. So I was reading um, about some of the things that the principles that you use to foster your culture of happiness. Can you touch on those for people just for a minute? I mean, first one I think was gratitude and those are profound. Can you hit those for people? And they saved my life two years before I lost everything in 2006. My wife told me to take stock in who I was. And ever since that day, I've taken inventory of my values, personal, experiential, giving and receiving based on these four. Number one, gratitude. Gratitude is just the greatest power of all time. You want to change your life, say thank you before you go to bed. Thank you when you wake up. I joke around, but they wrote that book, Everything I Ever Needed to Know I Learned in Kindergarten. No, everything you needed to know, you learned right off the bat from your grandmother or your mother because they told you, number one, ask for what you want, and two, say thank you. If you're going to take anything away from this interview, ask. you can't out-ask the universe. I'm not out-asking with over a billion people to be happy and say thank you. So gratitude finds in every situation, the light, the love, and the lessons. I've I've represented the greatest celebrities, athletes, entertainers, billionaires, entrepreneurs of the world, politicians, and guess what? The exact same amount of their life sucks. The same percentage of my life that sucks. So what I learned to do through gratitude was to find the light, the love, and the lessons. To use pain as an indicator that I have a better direction to go, just like a turn signal on the car. Pain, mental, physical, spiritual, emotional, financial pain, just an indicator I got a better place to be. Turn directions, a better situation, a better direction. And so gratitude's super huge. Two, forgiveness. Forgiveness gave me peace. And there's only one person to forgive yourself. I love the little Buddha uh, cartoon that I always see that says, don't forgive somebody because they deserve it. Forgive them because you deserve it. Absolutely. You can't give what you don't have. Forgiveness will give you peace. It'll clear the interference corrosion from you and what you're connected to at all times. Three, accountability. I have two simple questions. What did I do to attract this to myself? And what am I supposed to learn from it? And four is the ability to allow things to come through you through effective communication, meaning most people think communicating to others is what inspires or motivates them. I think first, you need to connect to the source and communicate with all of that power. We're, we are connected to the greatest source of love, light, and lessons and power that has ever existed. I have more uh, power in my pinky, so Bob Proctor says, to light up all of Manhattan with just my pinky, and I'm just denying the fact of how powerful I am. So I take that power, allow it to come through me with these values that appreciate what I have, meaning it gains value from who I am with these values, and then I give it away, I give my life away. It comes through me. So I grew up in a world of not enough. I was a victim, everything happened to me. Then I moved to the world of just enough. Everything was for me. I was buying things I didn't need to impress people I didn't even like. Even giving, I was a huge giver, but I gave to negotiate, trade. I always had conditions and judgments tied to my giving, down payments for houses, cars, and everything was a a trade. Now, everything in life, I no longer give to receive. I receive so I can give. And it's a whole different philosophy that has led me on this journey to provide one thing, value. Value to make people happy. 
Yeah, what a beautiful philosophy. Profound, and I love, I just love the way you articulate it, David. Now, you touched on something there that people might be curious about, which I think is a pivotal part of your story, that uh, in your early 30s, uh, you lost it all. And so I'm curious, what did it feel like? You know, people, people that have something, that's a paranoia they have, right? Losing it all. And they imagine what it's going to feel like, and it really influences their strategies and how they move in the world. What did it feel like to lose it all? And what or who inspired you to like pivot out of that and come back, which is so hard to do, I think. Two-part question. Yeah, so... It was the most terrifying thing is what it felt like, which led me to learn the practice of ending fear. I started canceling, clearing, connecting the things that I want. My biggest fear was to lose everything. I grew up with nothing. I defined myself by what I had. I was so proud of it. And it reinforced, it says behind me here, money doesn't buy happiness, right? I, and I learned that, but money's important because it allows me to shop. And if I shop for the right things, it'll make me happy. But I learned you know, through that fear, you know, that terrible feeling of fear that I was doing it wrong. And it was a, it was a motivator. Fear is a motivator, but not an inspire, right? Motivation is short-term. It'll get you up. It'll get you back up. It'll get you started. It'll get you back started. It restarted. And that's what that fear did for me. It got me started. And, and that was the emotion that I felt. I was defined by what I made. And now I was terrified to tell my mom and Lee and Warren and all these people and my, my wife to disappoint her. And the person that changed my life the most was my wife, not only because she's the one that set me on a, a more faithful journey, a, a journey that blends both currencies in my world, money and faith, uh, and the objects of energy that get what I want, money and faith, how to blend that. But I came home, you can imagine this, we're, we, we had everything, right? There's nothing we could not buy, huge home, cars, motorhome, boats, ski resort, uh, <laughs> golf courses, I mean, real money. Right. And I came from food stamp money. So my wife as well, we grew up together. And so she grew up the same way as I. And I feel sorry for people uh, that don't. I tell my kids, they're like, what's the one thing I, that you, you can't give me, dad? I'm like, I can't give you what I learned from being broke. And I don't want to either. Uh, I wish I could figure out a way to teach you what I learned without making you suffer. But as a father, right. we just can't make them suffer like I did. Uh, but moreover, imagine this. We go now and we lose everything. Right. I mean, sheriffs and and trucks picking up stuff <laughs> oh my god there's, there, there's so much stuff it took me two years to go bankrupt because i had to unwind so much stuff right so as i'm progressing through 2008 it took me two full years to unwind what we had anyway we are finally settled i'm still working for lee steinberg and i come home with my first paycheck i'm living in a rented home with rented furniture one car three daughters under 10 years old and a pregnant wife with my son. Wow. And I bring home this check. And I told my wife, I said, cause I, I've been on this journey learning, right? I said, honey, I said, would it be okay if I give money to our high school where we went to give a scholarship to a kid to go to college? Because I wouldn't have been able to go to college. My siblings, none of us could have gone to college. This is going to mean more to them than to us. Yeah. 
she looked at me crying. She said, uh, oh my gosh, you finally get it. After all these years, you, you finally trust the universe, Dave. I've always trusted you, but you've never trusted and had faith in the universe, and which is faith in yourself as well. And I said, I do. I said, are you okay with it? She says, double it. I looked at her. I said, I don't have that much faith. <laughs> I, I started the blend, but that changed my life because that was the first time that I allowed things to come through me, that I was receiving to help others and realize that I had everything I needed. If I didn't have everything I, I needed, I wouldn't be here. And it's, I have a great power, a great source of light, love, and lessons that I can share to help other people. I no longer worry about paying my bills. No, I focus on paying other people's bills. I'm the chairman of Unstoppable Foundation. The greatest thing right. I ever bought was building two community centers in Africa. Greatest thing. I And it was the hardest, hardest activity I've ever gone through, the most challenging. Let me tell you, I dedicated my 50th birthday. Uh, I did 50 birthday parties around the world to raise money for those. And if that might sound fun, but trust me, you know, 50, a birthday party every week turns into a serious job. It yeah, was, that's work. <laughs> especially with that many people and especially having to be on and ask and, and, and you know, share emotionally yourself to allow people to know how important this is to you. Uh, um, so maybe a tough question, but I think feels like an important one. Um, how, how have you honored... I, I'm I'm sure that whole process was a wake up call for the relationship with your wife and who she was for you. How do you honor her? I get choked up. Uh, so let me tell people about honoring things. Honor your parents doesn't mean you listen to them. Doesn't mean you get along with them all the time. You you honor them. You li you you don't do what they say. You listen and absorb it and make up your own mind and vote for what you want. Uh, you honor people by doing things for them, by being of service and of value for them. And also you honor them by asking them for help. It's a great honor to ask people for help, right? It elevates yeah. it. And so for I think sure. it's really important for people to know that. So for me, I honor my wife uh, by showing her gratitude, forgiveness, and accountability, by asking her what she and I can do for her, what value I can provide for her, and what she can do for me. And it's interesting, though, when you honor something, you will receive the promotion. You will perceive and, and will receive promotion. So I tell everyone, when you pay attention to and give an intention to, you get the coincidences. When you honor somebody, you will elevate yourself and promote yourself. It's one of the greatest things to understand. And so I am of service of value to my wife unconditionally. And I ask her for her help to honor her as well, as well as be grateful for giving and accountable to her to live an inspired life. Now, I want to make this clear. I'm still one of the biggest hypocrites in the world. Everything that I teach, I'm uh, at practice at. I am a normal married man, 23 years, who the only difference in my relationship is I have learned to get back to center, to get out of ego-based consciousness, the need to be right, offended, separate, inferior, superior, anxious, frustrated, angry, worried, resentful, guilty, all the feelings you have in marriage or any relationship. The only difference today is it sometimes used to take me years, months, weeks, days, hours, minutes to go back to center. I'm pretty good now between minutes and moments. I don't waste much time, energy, resources between me and my wife. I don't 
accelerate in the wrong direction. I don't create interference and corrosion between I look for the superpowers in my wife and that's what I get. It, it sounds like you have the same thing going on in your household that I do when I'm like doing my podcast, which my inspiration is always things I need to learn, right? And yeah. so I'm coaching people and I'm saying, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> she's over there laughing. <laughs> Why don't you bring some of that to the kitchen? <laughs> it's so good. Wait, have you, you know, I, I do a lot of coaching and, and interviews as well. And I love, I, I'll answer a question. Literally, I'm such a hypocrite. And I'll say to myself, man, that's a good idea, Dave. Yeah. You should really listen to yourself. That's a, you're a really smart dude. You should really listen to yourself, especially on my coaching calls, right? The, the guys are like, yeah. oh, that's an amazing idea. I'm like, yeah, I should really do that myself. <laughs> Well, speaking of that, uh, another thing you're famous for is codifying success. Uh, that's a little deep, uh, but maybe you could touch on some of the, I think you got six principles there. Touch on maybe two or three of the ones that are the most important for you. Like if you were coaching me and we're talking about codifying success, yeah. what do I need to pay attention to? Well, number one, you got to have the best habit of asking. I've already mentioned, you cannot out-ask the universe. We limit ourselves so much. We can't out-ask. So you've got to get into practice of in-person, on the phone, via email and media, radio, print, TV, and social media, asking how you can be of service of value. But more importantly, if you're going to write down one question to ask, it's, do you know anyone that can help me? Too many people think the world's full of gatekeepers trying to stop you from what you want. No, the world is full of sponsors and power sponsors. Everybody's connected. A tree has no branches. One branch should not go to war against another branch. And if you ask, if you are more interested than interesting, and you ask for help, do you know anyone that can help me? Most people on average know a thousand people today. When we were young, we were lucky to get the golf game, the card game, or the church group. No, these kids and, and families, everybody knows a thousand people. You can build hundreds of thousands of people within the context of your network to search for what you need and how you could be of service. Second thing is student in your calendar. I talked about paying attention to, giving intention to the coincidences you want. It's the mathematical formula of luck. So here's what you gotta do. You gotta study what you have planned, what you don't have planned in your sleep. Study it every day with the lens of gratitude, accessibility and productivity. I promise you success will be on your way. And then finally, easiest one, which will make a quick difference in your life. I believe that all, uh, all statistics, 99% of all statistics are made up. That's the one statistic I know to be true. 100% of all short putts don't go in. I learned that later in life. Even more importantly, even more importantly, 100% of the things you do now get done. And the difference between successful people and unsuccessful people is successful people get stuff done. So ask yourself, can I do it now? If you do it now, you'll save twice as much time and be exponentially more successful. And if not, put it into your calendar, study it for the next day and prioritize it by what's most important. Now you'll be more efficient, effective, and statistically successful as well. Yeah, huge. <clears throat> so your latest book, um, Game Time Decision-Making, can you tell us about that? And if we were to go buy it, which we will, <laughs> where would you send us? Yeah, sure. So go to Amazon to buy it. That's the easiest place in audiobook, print, whatever. But most importantly, what I've done is I've taken 10 lessons of happiness with, and what I've done is I've started off with and told you, here's the lesson I'm going to teach you. Then I tell sports 
and entertainment related stories to teach the lesson because people liked stories. And then I do a post-game analysis. So pre-game, game, post-game analysis of 10 key lessons in order to effectuate good decisions to be happy. Our decisions formulate our future. And so I help people by empowering them with the toolkit to make great decisions aligned with their values and not only the why, but the what, how, who, and when that they need in order to effectuate it. Yeah, well, uh, I don't have, I haven't read that yet, but I'll get it and uh, read it and give you a five-star review, I'm sure. Um, what's David Meltzer up to in the next two or three or four years? What's the close range vision and impact? For, for me, you know, building a lot of content. And I give this branding advice to everyone, uh, including you. Uh, and I've learned this lesson. I've been blessed to have a mentor named Gary Vaynerchuk who's built a huge brand for himself and knows how to build a community. But what I've learned about this frequency of, 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 of good content is that you need to put a lot of it out. You need to create yeah. a lot of content. And, and I'll tell you, here's what stops. This is the barrier why I know my brand will keep exponentially growing is I was able to make it through the hard part. Meaning what happens is if you start creating enough content where you can really build an audience, the people who already love and like you and the people who don't like you, they're going to be annoyed by you and they're going to let you know it. And so you have to be able to withstand people laughing at you, scoffing at you, making fun of you, being mean to you, people who are closest to you or that don't like you in order to reach the 4.4 billion available that are at your frequency that you can inspire. And so if you can get through that threshold where, you know, the majority of the feedback is, dude, you are giving way too much. Please, I got enough Dave Meltzer at dinner. I don't need any Dave Meltzer on my Instagram, TikTok, and LinkedIn. Please stop, stop. You know, where are you speaking this week? The bathroom. I've heard it all throughout the last four years. But if you can withstand, my, another piece of advice, just unsubscribe to people who love and like you. Keep the people who don't like you. They're really good for your brand because your yeah. community will come to your defense. But if, you know, if people that you love unsubscribe them for a couple of years, let them come back after you built your brand because you don't want to annoy them in order to get there. Uh, and so that, that's really important. So what I'm doing is building as much content as I can align with my values. And it starts with doing free training. Uh, over 20 years, I've been doing free trainings on Friday. They started as sales trainings. Uh, then they moved to community trainings with free lunch in my office. Now we're over 15,000 registrations for today at 11 a.m. Uh, wow. it's only been the virtual trainings have only been during COVID. So not bad for 12 weeks. Uh, and then it's the number one downloaded podcast on the replay. Um, so, you know, we're getting 250,000 a month downloads. Uh, so my mission is to get people in line and empower them to be happy so that they can empower other people. The only way I get over a billion is to find a thousand people like you who empower a thousand people to empower a thousand, a thousand times a thousand, a million million times thousands of billion i found a really great way in my lifetime not just in the next three or four years the next 30 or 40 years to empower others to empower others to be happy and the reason is happiness by the way everyone is the greatest virus of all time spread by witnessing it it's it's free it's wonderful it'll strengthen you mentally physically spiritually emotionally and financially it actually will strengthen your immune system so it'll literally protect you against other viruses so happiness to me is the pursuit it isn't the pursuit of happiness you got it wow 
that's a good exclamation point. Thank you. And you're so right, David. I have seen you so many places in the last three and a half years. And I'm not one of those people that thought it was too many. I was inspired. I thought, oh my gosh, he's the hardest working guy in the business of business, which is really creating content. Oh my gosh, such an inspiration. I want to thank you before I let you go for the very generous time you gave a young man that I have been mentoring. Uh, you gave him an interview about a year ago, which maybe you remember, maybe you don't, but I sent him on the task of, he didn't know what he wanted to do with his life. And I said, well, you know, college is great, but here's something greater. Go interview 50 or 100 great men and women and you'll figure it out. And he has, and you gave him that time and I um, greatly appreciate it. And uh, last thing I want to ask you, because I want everybody that listens to this podcast live and on replay to go find you, is dmeltzer.com the best place to find you? It's a great place. I also have a text community, if you like that phone, 949-298-2905. David at dmeltzer.com, dmeltzer.com. Please reach out. Yeah, and we'll drop that in the comments. David, thank you so much. I appreciate you from my heart. See you down the road. Thank you, Richard. It's been a pleasure. I'll talk to you soon. Tuning into the Richard Brooks Show to learn about network marketing and hearing stories of success. We found that the number one criteria for success is belief. Belief you can, belief you will, belief you are. Belief turns dreams into goals and goals into visions and visions into reality. You can help lift up your team by encouraging them to study these stories over and over again. Repetition is the mother of faith. And if your team is already studying the four-year career, you know its impact on belief and organic growth. If not, you'll want to study it right away and get it into the hands of your team. You can order it at richardbrook.com or amazon.com.